breaking news, new Senate retirement bill released. Hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of Byron Financial. On today's Adam Talks, going to dissect the new Senate retirement bill known as EARN, the Enhancing American Retirement Now Act. It's released on June 22nd. 2022. Well, expect to be marked up June 22nd. It was released June 20th, um, just a few days ago. So I wanted to spend today's podcast going through some of the key provisions. It's a lot like the Secure Act 2.0. Well, that was released by the House in uh, March. And we'll go through some of the provisions. What is expected to happen is um, before there's committee votes, um, there'll be a determination um, either uh, of, of what provisions uh, will be kept, what will be modified, what will be removed, and then ultimately a bill, retirement bill, that includes the House and Senate provisions, some, not all of, of the House and some, not all of the Senate, will be merged into a final bill that will be signed by the president. This is another example of the power of the retirement system. This is the only area where there's absolutely bipartisan support, almost unanimous votes on these bills, whether it's in the House or the Senate. And this runs in contrast to the Build Back Better bill, which um, you know, the president wasn't able to pass in the fall of 2021, it had a lot of a very um, controversial retirement provisions, which I spent a lot of time discussing. And um, I think that was an example of uh, failure because there was no um, consensus. There wasn't um, cross-party line um, discussions and um, building up consensus, and I think that's why it failed. Whereas this particular bill, whether it's the House version or the Senate version, uh, work was worked on by Democrats and Republicans together. That's the key word, together. When you try to slam a bill down the other party's uh, throat, it generally doesn't go very well. When you do things together, which is what we send our politicians to do in DC is to negotiate and work with the other side to try to get the best policy for all Americans. Good things happen. So let me focus. It's a long bill, a few hundred pages almost. Um, so I don't want any of you guys to have to read it. Um, I spent the last two days going through it. So I'm going to kind of uh, break down the key provisions and um, this way, um, hopefully in the next 10 or so minutes, you'll know all the key provisions without having to read the 200 pound, 200 pound, 200 page um, bill in, the, in its entirety. It kind of, um, it's a monster and it's another example of uh, yeah, what lawyers can do. So let, let's start um, right away. So this is an interesting one, treatment of student loan payments as elected deferrals. So under the bill for purposes of non-discrimination testing, safe harbor rules, an employer will be permitted to make matching contributions in a 401k or simple IRA respect to qualified student loan payments. So those uh, amounts can be used to pay off student loans um, as a matching contribution, which is um, you know pretty cool. Next thing is they're going to um, allow for certain incentives if you make contributions to a 401k. Right now, you can't really even offer like $25 gift cards. Um, not even allowed to offer incentives. What they want to do is they want to be able to allow you to offer some de minimis incentives to um, help your employees save, which is great. 
Uh, another important one, very important one, indexing IRA catch up contribution limits. So under current law, the limit on IRA contributions increased by $1,000, it's not indexed, okay? That is not indexed. Whereas the bill would index some such limits and make it um, far easier to, to go up past that $1,000 limit. Um, this is a really important one. So anyone between 60 and 63 are going to be able to do catch up contributions for 2020 uh, well, going forward in a much higher uh, percentage. So for example, the limit on catch up contributions in 2020 is $6,500. The bill would increase those to $10,000. Okay, and then for a simple IRA, it's 3,000. It would increase it to 5,000. So again, from 60 to 63, which is supposed to be like your prime saving years before retirement, you're gonna be able to go from 6,500 to 10,000 as a catch up um, in, in uh, retirement plans, 401ks. So another really good um, program. Um, they have a lot of 457 stuff, which I'm gonna skip. Um, this is another good one. They're gonna allow you to self-certify hardships, make it easier to prove you have a hardship. Um, also will permit uh, penalty-free withdrawals in the case of domestic abuse. So you can get around uh, taking, um, paying any um, penalties if God forbid you're in a situation of domestic abuse. Um, what else is important? So it's also gonna increase the RMD age in 2032 to 75. So Secure Act 1.0 increased the RMD age from 70 and a half to 72. This bill wants to increase it from 72 to 75 over the next 10 years. This is the same as the house version. Uh, another good thing, we're all living longer. So why not have the ability to save longer? Uh, let's see, what else did I like? Um, they're gonna reduce the 50% penalty tax. So failures for individuals to take the RMD, there's a 50% excise tax, the bill reduced it to 25%. You know, if people are older, they forget about RMDs and they get slapped with this 50% excise tax on the failure to, to take that RMD distribution, which is steep. So they're gonna reduce it to 25%, which um, better than nothing, okay? Um, what else? <laughs> they're gonna expand the IRA charitable distribution rule. So now you can... If you're over a certain age, you can make distributions to a charity and exclude it up to $100,000 of income, kind of treat it as part of your RMD. The bill indexes the 100,000 figure and expands it uh, to allow for one-time distributions to charities through gift annuities, um, remainder annuity trust of 50,000. Okay, so you'll be, you'll be able to do that 100,000 over a certain age, but also like a one-timer of, of 50 below that, that age. That seems like what this provision is trying to do. So Another um, you know, interesting benefit um, that I think is worth talking about. Um, this is a cool one. They're gonna allow you to self-correct inadvertent plan and IRA violations. So it's gonna be a lot easier to correct um, screw-ups if you, you know, inadvertently do something wrong in an IRA. Before 401k, you're gonna be able to kind of fix that um, much easier than, than it is now. Um, they're gonna let, let it e be easier and offer incentive for employers to join uh, MEPS, multiple employer plans, uh, which allows multiple employers to be part of one plan, supposedly uh, will reduce costs uh, for the employer. So they want to make it easier for companies to join MEPS, which is obviously pretty interesting. Um, what else? Uh, this is interesting for family attribution rules. I noted this down where two or more companies must be treated as one company under current law. Certain ownership by family members is attributed to other family members. The bill reforms these attribution rules uh, by disregarding community property laws. Okay, so it's going to make it uh, 
the definition of who's married, uh, I guess, more, more limited. Uh, what else? I want, oh, yeah. Repayments of qualified birth or adoption distributions. So current law does not allow, uh, does not limit the period during which a qualified birth or adoption distribution may be repaid. So this bill limits the period to three years of the date. So again, something that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, this is a very important one. They're going to let simples and seps do Roth contributions. Um, so this, this is also a provision that was in the uh, House bill. Um, and basically, um, it's going to allow uh, employers to permit employees to elect Roth treatment on SEP and simples, which now is not allowed. Right now, all you can do is pre-tax. Uh, also, retirement plan catch-up contributions must be made on a Roth basis. So under the bill, the special catch-up contributions um, will have to be made in Roth. Um, and this is obviously simple and SEPs are exempted. This would start in 2024. Um, again, this is pretty controversial because if you're doing catch-up contributions in a 401k, say the, the $6,500, right now it could be pre-tax or Roth. This provision, and it's also in the house, will make it required to be Roth. Why? The IRS wants to uh, reduce the ability to take taxable deductions. They still want to let you put money in your retirement plan, which is nice, but they don't want to give you that deduction because obviously that reduces your taxable income and they want to keep your taxable income higher so they could have more taxable revenue. So this provision, which is controversial because it's going to force people to do Roth. And again, it, the theme, I've talked about this repeatedly, overall theme the last seven to 10 years is, is Rothification. Um, House and Senate have been pushing more and more uh, for retirement plans to, to offer Roth and ultimately maybe even only offer Roth options. Why? You would think that makes no sense because in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, when you hit your RMD age, it's all going to be tax-free, which does not bode well for Treasury. The issue is governments today don't care about what's going to happen in 30 or 40 or 50 years. That's someone else's issue. By Rothfication, they will maintain a higher level, a higher tax base, which will provide more tax revenue, which will elect uh, whoever's in government uh, pay for more social programs, military roads, infrastructure, whatever the case may be. So it helps now, hurts later, short-term thinking versus long-term thinking, but that's the way governments work. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, in 30 or 40 years, government could just change the rules again and just say, you know what? Forget Roth. <laughs> you have to pay tax when you pull the money out. So who knows, right? Governments do this stuff all the time. I've used the example before. Before 1982, Social Security wasn't taxable. Now it is. So Governments can change the rules anytime they want. Next thing, they, they want to increase saver credit um, for, for um, certain income earners um, who make contributions to retirement plans. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, what's next? What did I mark up that I thought was good? Okay, no penalty tax on distributions of income and in excess of IRA contributions. So right now, there's a 10% early distribution tax. It would not apply distributions on earnings on non-deducted excess IRA contributions. So if you screw up and take an excess IRA contribution um, and it's after tax, um, you're not gonna have to pay the penalty. Um, portability, this is pretty interesting. Um, they're gonna allow rollovers, direct rollovers of eligible um, employer-sponsored plans to another IRA, okay? So this is 2025, they're basically saying, hey, Treasury, you need to come up with better rules for rollovers and IRAs. I'm not sure what that means, but 
because um, they, all they're doing is saying no later than January 1, 2025, uh, they need to develop sample forms for this, for direct rollovers and transfers, which whatever, uh, like IRA Financial, we have our own forms. I'm not sure it's a big issue, but um, it's, it's in the bill. Um, what else did I think was interesting? Um, they're going to offer more on credits if you want to adopt um, retirement plans, 401k plans. The credit will be increased just like um, the house bill. Uh, again, all about incentivizing people, especially employers, to have um, 401k plans. Um, what's next? Uh, a lot of simple um, SEP stuff uh, besides the Roth stuff. Um, Let's talk about some of the House stuff that's not in the um, Senate bill, okay? Um, this, the House had an automatic enrollment. So they wanted to require automatic enrollment in new retirement plans, which a lot of people, history shows, numbers show that if you automatically enroll people, they'll tend to save more. The Senate bill does not have an automatic enrollment for retirement plans, a forced one. Um, the credit, the House bill has a higher credit limit than the Senate bill for um, setting up a 401k. Um, what else? Um, treatment of IRA private transactions. So under current law, IRA owner engaged in a private transaction, the IRA owner is disqualified. The bill limits such disqualification to the amount involved in the private transaction. This is not in the Senate bill. The House bill wanted to treat IRA PTs like 401ks, where if you screw up and do an IRA PT, it only impacts that particular transaction, not the whole IRA. That is not in the... Um, Senate finance bill. Also, um, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. So just to summarize, okay, the big stuff here, and a lot, most of the big stuff is the same as the House bill. The indexing IRA ca catch-up contribution limits, increase to the RMDH from 72 to 75, the um, higher retirement contribution catch-up from 60 to 63, the um, Roth ability for simple and set plans, uh, and probably the most uh, controversial is requiring Roths for catch-up contributions um, for retirement plans for 401ks. Um, so that's probably the big stuff. And, and again, I expect most of the stuff to get passed and become law. There's bipartisan support. And uh, on its whole, it's very helpful. Good, it's good stuff. This is good legislation that will help all of us save, be better savers, make it easier for us to save, uh, especially on the loan stuff. They're really pushing to uh, allow these contributions, uh, employer matching contributions to be used to pay student loans without you know having to take a taxable distribution to use it. So they're really, honestly, I, and I, I give both, both Democrats and Republicans a lot of credit for working together. Both the House and Senate finance bills are good bills. Um, most of them are the same, um, other than the few provisions that were different or not in the, in the uh, Senate bill that was in the House bill. Um, good stuff, right? The, uh, increasing the RMD, allowing Roth options, um, allowing uh, the ability to do super catch-ups from 60 to 63. Um, those are all good stuff, right? Um, am I cr I'm not crazy about forcing people to do Roth for catch-up, but yeah, it's not a horrible situation. Um, what else did I like? They're, they're really trying to help portability 
Um, they want you to also be able to roll over Roth IRAs to a 401k. That's another provision that's in the bill, um, host bill, um, that, that potentially could also become law. Um, so again, on, on its whole, really positive stuff, good stuff here. Um, wanted to kind of share it with you. I try to really focus on the key provisions. There's lots and lots and lots of uh, provisions. Um, like I said, this bill is so damn long. <laughs> um, I just didn't, you know, I, I just couldn't let you guys have to go through it. So um, there you go. Those are the key provisions. Um, I'm going to probably do a blog on this and kind of just jot it all down so you, you have it. You can kind of focus on the provisions that, that you're interested in um, mostly, but um, you know, they, they really want to try to make it easier. That's the bottom line, whether it's portability, getting more guidance on rollovers, letting you save longer, letting you have more flexibility, uh, whether it's through Roth contributions or the ability to um, you know, offer retirement plans and make it easier, um, really, really popular. So the, the also one last thing that's, um, I didn't mention it's in the house bill that I also like is they want to have like a retirement savings lost and found where there's like a database for um, people that maybe have, have retirement plans at, at former employers kind of lose track of it, don't even know they have it. And uh, now they can kind of try to find it. Um, so, um, you know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and that's it. Those are the big stuff. Um, Really appreciate you guys spending some time with me. As I mentioned, um, there's a lot to digest. It took me the last two days to kind of go through it. So um, I hope I was able to kind of just focus on the key provisions. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that probably won't apply to most of you. A lot on like 457 government plans, um, some, some stuff on public safety officers like military, firefighters, um, things like that. Um, also a bunch of nonprofit, like 403 uh, stuff, disaster relief. That, that I didn't want to spend a lot of time on really want to just focus on the IRAs and, and some of the stuff for um, solo 401k. So there you go. Appreciate you guys spending some time with me today. Um, subscribe if you haven't. Uh, it's a weekly podcast that drops every Wednesday. If you miss it, you can always watch it on YouTube at your uh, convenience and um, really um, appreciate you guys watching. Uh, and if you're listening, thanks again. Um, that's it. Hope wasn't too much. Um, and, uh, but it's good stuff. It's, it's again, it gives you some hope that the folks in Washington can actually get stuff done. Um, and again, just proves my point that the retirement systems awesome. It works because <laughs> it's the only system, the only set of rules where there's 100% bipartisan support. Well, maybe not 100% by 96%, but it works whether it's, uh, you know, Democrat, independent, Republican, people understand the retirement system makes sense. It's based off math. You make more and able to save more when your retirement funds are not subject to tax. Uh, it's the system that takes advantage of the power of deferral, power of compounded returns. Um, you know, Albert Einstein, I keep saying, he coined it, not me. Compounded returns is the eighth wonder of the world. And the retirement system is the best way to explore that phenomenon. So thanks again uh, for um, listening, watching, and have a great uh, rest of your week. Take care.